Hey everybody, I'm Kate Conroy. And I'm Vinny Civitella. And this is Other People's Business, which is a podcast from the New Jersey Business and Industry Association, the largest statewide business association in the United States of America. We release a new episode every other Wednesday, so be on the lookout for that. Shout out to New Jersey Manufacturers Insurance Group. They do home, auto, and workers' comp, so check them out if you need some updated coverage. They're the official sponsor of the show. Awesome. Just a housekeeping matter or two before we get this train rolling. This podcast is available just about anywhere you can get a podcast. That's iTunes, Google Play, Amazon's TuneIn. We even throw these things up on YouTube if you'd rather watch than listen. But no matter how you check the show out, give it some love. Give it that like. Give it that comment. Give it that five-star review on iTunes. It helps all of the various algorithms that are out there controlling our lives figure out how to get this show in front of more eyes. And there's nothing wrong with that. We love it. So with all of that out of the way, our awesome guest today returning for her second visit on the show is Rachel Durkin from Paradigm Marketing and Design. Rachel, say hi. Let the audience hear your voice. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you for being back. It's our pleasure. Okay. So today's icebreaker is what are you currently binging? And for the longest time, you had my favorite answer ever. You said eggs. I know she brought that up on like straight up. Like I had to put a stop to it. I was like, I don't want to hear about Rachel Dirk and eating eggs anymore. Like, <laughs> it was like 12, 13 episodes in a row. Kate was like, Rachel once said eggs. <laughs> oh, the food. Did I say that? Is that yeah. you know? <laughs> it's funny that she forgot, but I know I it's, it's forever in my head. Rachel Dirk and binged eggs during the I pandemic. I do like eggs. They're delicious. <laughs> and they're so, you can do so many things with them. <laughs> I know. It's true, right? The incredible I'm edible eating now sweet potatoes like I cut them up and then I put them in the air fryer and I have sweet potato fries like I'm, I'm binging that if we're talking about food that's that's awesome. amazing I mean we when we talk about binging something we're not usually talking about food but I totally accept that as an answer <laughs> so my show so I like to go in shows I like to go in between like heavy stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and light stuff so I just got through Big Bang Theory I rewatched that okay whole now that's ready. amazing intense like homeland or something like that. Yeah. i went through so many like dips and valleys with the big bang theory like i liked it i hated it i liked it again i hated it again i don't know it was one of those shows i felt like for a long time the girls on that show were really mean to the boys on that show and it was like the whole point of the show is that we've got like these geeks on the show mm-hmm. but we're like trashing them for being geeks and right. Then they would come through another like valley where they'd be like, oh, no, 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 you guys are awesome. We love you. And, you know, it would just keep going. Like, <laughs> I think it's like a bit, as somebody who just binge watched 12 seasons. Sure. I think earlier when they're mean to them, the boys' social cues are not up to par. Okay. So, like, Howard is kind of a perv. So some of the things he says he deserves to be. I mean, I thought he was a perv like all the way to the end well, of the show. But sure. Because yeah. his wife puts him in his place. So yeah. I think the argument can be made in both directions. Yeah. I want to say the show that like lives rent free in my head forever. The one that I love is when they go to Comic Con Mm -hmm. and um, Penny is supposed to be signing autographs, but like nobody's really interested in her. Everybody's interested in Leonard, who's the one like taking all the money because like he's like, oh, no, no, she's my wife. And they're all like, hold on, time out. Let me find out like (laughs) how I can get away. So there's they're they're like he's giving all these stories and more and more people like every time they cut back to their story arc throughout the show, like more people have amassed in front. Yeah, that was pretty good one. I enjoyed that. I like (laughs) when it gets to the end. It's I mean, the character development is interesting, like the way Sheldon develops over time. So Mm. all of them develop well. Yeah. 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 Nice. But, you know, it'll never match The Office. I just always try to find something like The Office and I can't watch that over and over again because I'll start memorizing it. But 
it's good, but not office good. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It's sure. a really good distinction. Then what are you watching? Um, I actually, I, I just finished, I guess by the time you see this show, the last episode of Barry will be out. So I haven't seen it yet, but, um, I, we watched Barry years ago. Like we watched the first season and we started the second season. And then for whatever reason we stopped and I got it in my head like a week or two ago. Like I really want to, you know, check this show out, see what, you know, where it went from when I stopped and it was such a bad idea because I loved it so much. And then I got caught at like three, four episodes from the end of the series. And so now like every week I got to like wait for wait. that like new episode. And I think the last one is this upcoming Sunday, just based on the number of episodes all the other seasons have had. But we don't know. I, I haven't Googled it. And then you have the writer's strike. So now you might. Yeah. Really so I'm worried about that because that could really like throw a, a racket or whatever you want to call it, a wrench in the, the whole toolbox there. But. I think there's some shows that are meant to be watched in a binge way. And there's some shows that are meant to be spaced out. So I got on like the Breaking Bad bandwagon at the very, like when the, the show ended and I was like, I got to watch this because everyone's talking yeah. about it. And I watched it like in a binge watch capacity and it didn't feel like it was as good as people who had to wait. Like I started getting sick of the characters. So I think it depends. Mm -hmm. I think that that's true. I watched it both ways. I watched it live when it was out and then a maybe a year ago, maybe less, maybe six months ago, I binge watched it again from start to end. And I was getting really mad at the characters too. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe because you're around them too much. You need some space. <laughs> yeah. Breaking Bad's also pretty long. It was like six and, years, a lot of episodes. Yeah. They're it like hour long episodes. Like when I did Barry, Barry, there's only four seasons, eight episodes per season and they're half hour shows. So it's like, it's oh, wow. done in nothing, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. You can do that really fast. Yeah. And you know, Breaking Bad, they that last season they split into two full yeah seasons. Mm -hmm. So it was like part A and part B. Each were like six or seven episodes long. It was just a lot. I don't know. It was yeah. a lot. Mm. Anyway. Kate, what are you watching? Um, I'm watching on Hulu um, a show called A Small Light, um, which is the story of Anne Frank and her family living in hiding, but told from the perspective of the woman who's hiding them. Yeah. And so I, I heard about this. Um, my wife was watching the show and I asked her what it was. And she told me it's the story of Anne Frank from the other side. And I was like, the Nazi side? <laughs> like, are, we, are we getting like their perspective? Yeah. On my She's like, no, 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 no. So. That's amazing. Go on, yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so the woman who hid them for, for years is a, she was like in her 20s. Her name is Meep. And um, she's just a kid, you know, partying, hanging out with her girlfriends, having a, you know, living her life. Um, and then the war happened and she happened to work for Otto Frank at his company. And they plotted and figured out a way to hide the whole family. And then more people kept popping up who needed help. And so by the end, I kind of forgot. I mean, I read Anne Frank's diary, God, a million years ago. Yeah, like I forgot school. that the annex, <laughs> yeah, the annex was full of like, eight or 10 people, like five adults, three kids, like a cat. There was a lot of people living in this really small space, just trying to like make it out alive. Um, and of course, spoiler alert, we kind of know that not everybody did, which is really awful, but. I didn't know they had a cat. Yeah. You can't hide a cat. Like, well, I don't I, need a cat in the house. I feel like we don't need a cat in the. <laughs> it became a really big point of contention because Anne was not allowed to bring her cat. But then this other family showed up, a uh, husband, wife, and a, a son. And the, the son just brought him, didn't ask permission, just showed up with the cat. And Anne was like, this is crap. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I mean, 
count on a cat to turn you in. Like, you know, like you always see that, like in the like I'm thinking of Inglorious Bastards when they're like walking and like the people are looking up from underneath. And like the first thing a cat would do would be like, meow. Yeah. So anyway, it's fun to see Anne Frank and her sister as teenagers with like squabbles and fighting with their mom and like pouting over a cat and just it really made them come alive, I guess. It's a great show. Okay. Yeah. There there really is no clean transition from yeah, Anne so Frank okay. to where do we go from there? From yeah. I was gonna say there's no clean transition from Paradigm and Anne Frank yeah. and back into so I'm just I gonna really say tell me about Paradigm marketing and so <laughs> We talk about Mother Teresa, maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Positive. That maybe we, we should have ended on the Big Bang Theory. We could have yeah, worked like well, talking about like you know actually, computer whizzes and everything. <laughs> so actually, if you're looking for another lighthearted show, Superstore is great. Have you binged Superstore yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. It's light. It's like The Office, but really smart. And um, I think it's better than Big Bang Theory. So check it out really? if you're looking for another like light, fun half hour show. Okay. All right, you sort of saved it, but not enough. <laughs> but tell me about Paradigm. Sure. So, oh, sorry, I hear a suspicious activity outside. Is it a cat? Um, I don't think it's a cat. We'll see. Right. Um, I don't have one. So if it was, that would be. You want that to would be. That would be a real great twist. My cleaning people were here today, and they come out because I was outside, so I got out of their way. And he's like, "We found a frog under. It was a dead, like." mummified toad under your couch she's like what do you want me to do with it i'm like take it out throw of it away yeah get rid of it well have you ever heard of a toad in your house like i get my i mean mice make sense or like a bug no i okay so this is going back like 10 years ago now um one night i was out like taking out the trash and i had the garage door open and i come back and there's just like a frog standing like dead center in my garage so I was like, all right, I don't want to kill this thing, but I want to kind of like chew it out yeah, in yeah. such a way. Yeah. So I'm trying to do that. And as I'm trying to do that, he doesn't jump like out of the garage. He jumps like into all the crap we keep in the garage. And so I, oh, I no. tried, I'm like, you know, trying to get in there. I never got him. And so like in the back of my head to like this day, I'm always convinced that that frog is still in the garage somewhere. He can't well, be because I haven't under seen him. couch in your living room. It's possible. <laughs> yeah. It's possible. It's possible. But yeah, I don't know. Like Absolutely. one day I'm just going to find that frog and be like, how you doing? You know? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I have no idea how I got to that, but you asked me about Paradigm. So okay, yeah. <laughs> Paradigm is unrelated to frogs completely. We are a web marketing, branding, and workflow agency. So that's different from the last time we chatted. We didn't have a works, workflow division um, in our company the way we do now. Let me hard Let's stop say- you right there. What's a workflow division? Like, what do you guys? So um, workflow, we do... Uh, business process documentation, and also CRM implementation and optimization. So CRMs are Zoho, Salesforce, things that you use to um, to track your, your leads in your, your organization. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so Paradigm specializes in helping companies that have a complex sale. So what I mean by a complex sale is it require, it's probably going to require a human interaction to close the deal. Like you're not buying a widget, you're gonna have to have a conversation. So we help companies, membership organizations, and nonprofit organizations build marketing to sales infrastructures that increase the number of meetings their sales or development team is having and shortening their sales cycle. So when we, for years we did that and we were very data focused. So paradigm, you know, we would combine creativity, innovation and data to make smart decisions, right? So every month we look at the data, we see what's happened based on campaign 
execution and then we adjust accordingly. And so one of the challenges we ran into is often our clients who are either nonprofits or in the small mid-sized business market didn't either have a CRM system that they weren't using often, or some people were even using like an Excel database, you know, um, which hurts my heart to manage their lead flow. And I mean, I've seen $70 million organizations that use Excel spreadsheets to manage their lead flow. And that is very hard to pull data from. (laughs) So uh, we, it was a really logical acquisition for our company to bring on um, a workflow division to implement CRMs and help manage and customize them to get the data we want to monitor that end-to-end from top of the funnel marketing all the way through the sales close to get the data we needed. What made you guys want to get into that? I think, like I said, I think it had to do with the fact that we were, a lot of our clients were missing the data we needed to make really smart decisions. So we could only see a piece of the whole puzzle. I also think it was logical. So Lorena, who runs our division, had her- Shout out to Lorena Mascara. Shout out to Lorena. Um, did this and we actually outsourced a lot of work or, or referred a lot of work to her and she shares our, our values. She shares our culture. And so it made a lot of sense during COVID to bring her on and in just under two years, she's built a really awesome division for Paradigm. Very cool. That's awesome. So what else other than workflow? What do you do? Yeah, I know. I, I interrupted the whole thing because I didn't know you. what that meant. So, <laughs> so um, we also, I mentioned we do um, marketing, web design, and branding. So web design and branding is a little bit, is, is pretty easy to explain. It's tangible. So if you are if you need a new logo or brand strategy or something that's going to visually tell your organization's story, we've got really talented um, designers on our team and creative directors to make that happen. And then we have a full web development team. So we can build websites from, you know, your small site that's going to support your sales strategy to we do ADA compliance for a lot of like larger e-commerce sites. You know, you don't have to be e-commerce to meet ADA compliance, but they they often do. So we kind of run our, our web development team is very talented and we run the gamut and what we can do for our clients. But the the bulk of our, I should say the bulk, a majority of our business comes from our, our outsourced marketing services. So we serve as our client's outsourced marketing department, either supplementing like a small marketing department. So they might have a CMO and a coordinator or just a coordinator level person. And we come in and we work directly um, in relation to that marketing department, if it exists, um, definitely leadership and the sales team to build out their marketing infrastructure and support them in the execution of their activities. But I think the key is, um, and I've been on a lot of webinars and panel discussions lately about this, is there's there's you know a proven, and I have stats, but not in front of me, so maybe I'll pull them up at the break so I have them ready, um, divide between marketing and sales. So marketing and sales in most organizations don't work together as effectively as they could, and it's a really big inhibitor. Um, Companies, if they can get those teams aligned, can make a significant more amount of money pretty immediately. So we work direct when we come in with the client. We work with the marketing team certainly, um, but we work we we need to hear a feedback loop and coordinate directly with the sales team to make sure that the information we're feeding them and the leads we're feeding them makes sense to the whole process. That's fantastic. I mean, so obvious when you say it out loud, but you're mm-hmm. right. A lot of a lot of sales and uh, marketing teams just don't work together. And you guys have been so successful. Like you've grown exponentially the last what three years. Like I want to say since pre-pandemic to now, like it's mm-hmm. just, it's incredible. How many people are you at now? 30. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. And you are fully virtual. Like you've always been fully virtual and it's just right. Pre-pandemic, we had um, an office in New Jersey, but I, we, I didn't require everybody to go in all the time. We, we went in one to two days a week. 
And then um, we were virtual the rest of the time. After COVID hit, we grew so much during that year of COVID. I mean, I think we we grew exponentially and we hired all over the country because we could. So pre-COVID, I, I don't remember these numbers exactly, but I would say like 80 to 90% of our workforce of only like 10 people at the time were in New Jersey. So it made sense. Now with 30 people, I think we only have nine in New Jersey. So the rest are all over the country. And so it just doesn't make sense to have a location. But it's an interesting debate that I continue to have with my husband who works for a larger corporation where they're making them go back to the office on um, on how efficient people are, whether they're in the office or not. And I think it really just depends on your culture and how you manage your people. I think that's absolutely right. And I think it depends on the, um, the, the initiative taken of the workforce. Like you can tell pretty quickly who's producing and who's not producing. Mm -hmm. And then, and then it comes down to managing the non-producers, right? I think, I think it's that, I think there's also a huge level of um, what I call professional maturity. Yeah. So, you know, I have two kids. It's my company. I trust myself to come and go and say, please, and make decisions. <laughs> and I have an event tonight. I didn't, I didn't start work today until 10, but I'm going to work until nine o'clock tonight at an event. Um, I think your senior people, listen, if you can't trust your senior people to make decisions on when and how they should be working, they shouldn't be your senior people. I think that the more, you know, my husband, the debate we were having last night is he works for a company where they hire like right out of college and then they raise them up. And so there's a, there's a big proportional difference as opposed to my company of more junior people in the workforce that need to be trained by more senior people. We're pretty even, you know, we have, because you need to have a lot of consultants when you're going out for marketing and, and, you know, advising clients, but I think it depends on how you manage, train, and develop those more junior people in a meaningful way and how often you have FaceTime with them is going to impact how successful they are in a virtual environment. Exactly. And if somebody's yeah. really going to take advantage of a virtual environment, I'm going to fit, not I, we are going to figure it out, like, you know, one way or the other, eventually through a performance and they probably shouldn't be in any company, you know, I shouldn't say any company, they can, they certainly have a right to have a job, but they, they probably won't thrive in a in-person company either. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. So let me segue for a second. Uh, we shouted out Lorena, um, but there's somebody else on your team who we're close to as well. Vicki Hart is amazing. I've mm-hmm. known her for a bunch of years and tell me what she does for you because a lot of people might not know. Sure. So Vicki's our director of client engagement. So she helps lead up our sales division to bring in um, new clients and new business. And she also, because she likes to say, and I agree with her, that she's the face of our brand. She goes out, she Everybody likes Vicky. I always joke, I joke, but it's not a joke that everybody likes her better than me, which is fine. That's her job. <laughs> <laughs> She goes out, she raises awareness, she builds partnerships. You know, one thing that, um, uh, you know, I'll get, BIA is a great example. During COVID and then beyond, we've built a lot of partnerships with different organizations for partnership marketing. So with BIA, we do Table for Four, which is a virtual networking event we've done since COVID and it's been successful. We do our monthly roundtable, um, which has been really successful. We've had awesome guests like uh, Precious Williams and Dave Matson from uh, Sandler Training. We've had Dan Gingis, who's a best-selling author. We had Bob Berg recently. And then we had just a lot of really smart people come on and talk about really cool content that is relevant to business leaders. Yep. Uh, but Vicky, I'll just call her Vicky. Vicky was <laughs> is is critical to that because she goes out and she she understands not only how to provide referrals and network and build relationships, but how we can create, you know, one 
plus one equals three opportunities. So that is what she does for Paradigm. That's a really excellent summarization. One plus one equals three. That's Vicki. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Her personality alone is a 10. That's awesome. <laughs> True, I totally agree with you. But the team we have, I'm just really proud of. They're really awesome. Yeah, and you're doing great work. You're you're working with us. Uh, shout out to, to Paradigm Marketing and Design. Mm-hmm. They they handle a, a big portion of our marketing at NJBIA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you guys are so wonderful to work with. I always love, you know, it's so besides the fact that you're wonderful clients, I always love when we have a new idea. I'm like, let me call Kate. She'll probably say yes to me. (laughs) But we're very relaxed, you know. I I rarely have said no to you. I don't think I ever have, in fact. But it pays off, right? We've got the data to prove it. (laughs) Yeah, we do. We totally do. It's been fun. It's been such a great relationship. Um, We always do great work together. And we always have a lot of fun together. And I think mm-hmm. that that, that makes a huge difference because life is short, right? Yeah. Somebody said to me once, if your extracurriculars aren't fun, what's the point? And I sort of kind of feel like that at work too. Like, I think, you ha- I think feeling like it that, that at work is a privilege and, and hopefully everyone feels that way, but we don't always, I really hope your extracurriculars are fun. If they're not, maybe you need new ones. Yeah, I was <laughs> no, going to say totally. outside of work. What, yeah. What ex- yeah. <laughs> Why even do it? <laughs> no, I I agree, but like sometimes you get sucked into like mm-hmm. going somewhere that yeah, exactly responsibility or or I don't know. I can't that's even not think an extracurricular then. Like when you have to go to a wedding or something, like you know that's yeah, that's just an obligate a one off obligation. <laughs> an extracurricular right. to me is like okay, we're going hiking every Thursday, and I hate it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I guess what I'm saying is like every I'm an extrovert, and I can fill my calendar with like everything all day long, live long day. And every once in a while, I look at the calendar and I'm like, oh my God, a Saturday and a Sunday activities on both days. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I need a minute. And so Mm -hmm. like, that's when I have to like check in and be like, are you going to have fun at those now? Mm -hmm. Do you want to like only do half of one? Or I don't know. I feel like just life is too short. I, uh, I don't ever want to be out somewhere exhausted. I don't want to be there. I think that, you know, if I'm going to, that actually relates to business too. I was actually having this conversation with Vicky the other day. Vicky is like a super extrovert. I, I enjoy talking to people when I'm out, but I don't necessarily get energy from it. I'm kind of like, Oh, I have an event tonight. When I get there, I'm going to have a great time, but I got to put on pants. You don't know if I have them on right now, but (laughs) (laughs) I do, but they're not the pants I'm going to wear tonight. Anyway. Um, I think that in business, you can also run into that. So I find that and this happened a lot after COVID and this is where data comes in. If you get your sales team or your marketing strategy going out and doing what's easy and what's fun and you're doing a lot of activity, is that always the right activity? So I think this whole concept of pausing and thinking like, should I be doing this? Does it make sense? Is it where I should be spending my time both personally and professionally is so important. And I think that's where data comes in. So mm-hmm. if you're if you're going to an event the ROI on that event is is what business cards you got out of it, what the follow-ups are like, if they're easy, if they're difficult, if you close anything as a result of that event. Um, tracking that, tracking the data is key, which brings me back to workflow, right? Well, when I measure data from marketing standpoint, marketing to sales, I look at it in two ways. I look at what I call brand assets and direct return on investment. So direct return on investment, we all know and love. How many leads did I get that from that event that actually closed into a deal? Right? Yeah. Can track that with the CRM, but you know, that's why CRMs come in handy because your sales cycle might be three months and your Excel spreadsheet's not going to tell you that. Right. Right. But I think the big thing that a lot of companies miss is the concept of brand assets. And I call it brand assets because the word brand building in a, the small 
business world and the organizational world has become a bad word in my opinion. There's a lot of marketers that are like, I'm going to build your brand. We're not Coca-Cola. I'm not going to make the entire country know who you are at the drop of a hat. We're not going to run a Nielsen survey to see, you know, what your perception is. Now we can do poll surveys online, but that's a different story. So this concept of brand building in the, in the SMB world is what I call brand assets. That is your social following, your website hits, and most importantly, your CRM and or email list growth. And what I mean by that is on average, it takes nine to 13 touches to build trust in a brand. So if you're a salesperson, and let's just, let me see if I can do my math right here. Let's pretend you're allowed to have a hundred, you're able, you're capable of having a hundred meetings a month. So mm -hmm. if we need an average of 10 touches to build trust in the brand, then I have to meet 10 people 10 times in theory to get a shot at closing a deal, right? right? But if marketing can facilitate eight of those touches, well, now I can meet 50 people two times with the opportunity to close a deal. My pool just got bigger, right? right? So combining your marketing and sales efforts in that touch process makes a big deal. I'm sorry, make, makes a big impact on the company. And by building your brand assets, you're pushing people through that touch process. So what yep. a lot of our clients, what I'm always telling them is, Half of our effort, we should, listen, we should always be looking at direct ROI. We have to, right? We've got to continue to, yeah. think. but think of your brand assets as an annuity. If you start building that now, your life is going to get significantly easier later. And I don't want to ramble, but I have like a case study example of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> keep talking. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> All right. So we had a client that came to us during COVID. They did kind of, um, I don't want to say they're similar to Zoom because they get very mad at me, but they basically did virtual telecom and, but it was, it was very secure for like HIPAA compliance, et cetera. And they dealt directly with um, managed service providers to then use their solutions. They didn't go into the consumer. So for years, we had been working with them to build their brand assets. We were building their database, educating these MSPs, educating these partners, even, you know, even if they, they called them partners, even if they weren't engaging with them at that point. And when COVID hit, the owner, it was like brilliant. I wish I thought of it. He came to me and he said, I want to offer our service for three, for free for three months to whoever wants to use it. And which we all know, like you start using a technology, you stick with that technology, right? So we literally sent three emails out in a week and they got a ton of sign-ons. So they got new market share. That's because they had brand assets. If he didn't have brand assets or anyone in his database and they hadn't trusted him already, I would have been like, that's great. I need... $10,000 to run an ad campaign and your ROI would have been like 2% because they didn't trust them, right? It was a brand new touch. So building those brand assets pays off. So when it's time to use it, you can leverage it. So when you're looking at data, bringing this all back, you want to be looking at brand assets, but you also want to be measuring direct ROI in conjunction with that. That's brilliant. What a great idea. It was so a good <laughs> so, and I'm just thinking too about the, um, the sales cycle. I always say like, it's a numbers game. You, mm -hmm. you have to have the, the amount of touches that it takes to close the deals. And so you have to be doing it for a certain amount of time in order to know what your sales cycle is, in order to know how many touches mm -hmm. it takes and the brand assets help you with that. Mm -hmm. They help you. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a concept of what I call high intent leads and low intent leads, right? So a high intent lead, like we have a client who uh, their sales team kind of fell into this cycle of always wanting more and more high intent leads. So high intent lead was like, they came through Google PPC, like an ad, they Google something, I need this service, came through the website, it was high intent, they called them up. Um, 
the salespeople love those. It's like, oh, you're interested in marketing? What can I do for you? Here's my pricing. Like you've got someone on the hook immediately. Um, the problem with those is their close rate is much lower. So you're yeah. kissing a lot more frogs. Huh, remember that I didn't even mean to bring up frogs again, but now I, <laughs> but you're kissing a lot more frogs. Right. If you've got someone coming in through a webinar or through a database, by the time it gets to the salesperson, when there is an intent to buy, so they started low intent, you're educating them through the buying funnel and then there's an intent, the, the likelihood of a close is significantly higher. So it just, the question is how early are you prepared to engage in the process. And when we're thinking about the buying funnel, you, you've got to think about that nine to 13 touches I just said. Think of the concept of how you buy something, right? So I'm thinking about going on, I'm going to go on vacation this fall with my family. We are, my husband is, loves it as a Cowboys fan, like he loves them. Let's not start an argument right now, but I'm just going to say it, okay? So we are going to see a Cowboys game in Dallas. I would like to take the kids to like a ranch around the area. So I've been doing a ton of research. I've been looking at blogs. I've been asking ChatGBT, who's really not up to date on this type of stuff yet. I think he's a little behind. But No, I um, think they fed that information from like three years ago or something. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So it's like, this is out of date. But um, so I'm doing a lot of high level research. What are good activities for kids? What's even available? Oh, there's all inclusive. I didn't know that, right? So I am at the top of my buying funnel. But in a couple weeks or months, I'm going to be ready to hit book now, but I'm going to go through a series of questions in my head when I go to, you know, Google or ChatGPT or talk to friends that are going to be different perceptions. So when you're doing your mark, my point is, is when you're doing your marketing message to sales, you need to be thinking about what the person is thinking at the different levels of the decision-making process to grab their attention. That blog by Travel Advisor is having a big impact on the top of my funnel and it's pushing me in the right direction. But the, you know, there's a one in 10 chance that I'm going to pick one of those ranches that are in that blog, but then there's another series of touches that have to go through. Most of them have terrible websites. I'm not going to use them. The touch process broke. So having that touch process with the right message of the right buying funnel along the way is critical to getting your long-term sales strategies to be successful. It's kind of funny. I had this whole conversation yesterday because I was at Buffalo Wild Wings with my daughter and she's five and they had the little wet naps out and the wet naps all had their logo on it. And she asks me, why do they have the Buffalo on the wet nap? And I was like, without even thinking about who I was talking to, I was like, well, it's branding. And she's like, what's branding? And I'm like, all right, <laughs> let's get into this now. You know? I feel like you need a drink if I'm doing that at dinner. I need yeah, exactly. with a five-year-old. No, that's yeah. like, well, yeah. they want to make sure that you get their logo in your head as much as possible because yeah. then you'll like think about them when you're thinking about. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. if you can explain to a five-year-old, you can do this job. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. On that note, why don't we take a break? And when we come back, we're going to play a game. Cool. And we're back and it is now time to play our lightning round game, which today is brought to us by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Rachel, are you ready? I guess. <laughs> to be honest, I, I did not get prepped for this at all. So I know that they're no. not hard hitting questions. Don't okay. worry. <laughs> it's, it's meant to be a surprise so that you give us your yeah, gut reaction. All right. All right. All right. Uh, favorite pizza topping? Cheese. That's Ooh. not a topping. That's just, that's <laughs> part of the pizza. I mean, you know. All right. I like chicken parm pizza, but I also like white pizza. Okay. Sure. Chicken parm pizza. That sounds good. Okay. That's, chicken parm pizza is like a meal in a slice. Like, now, if, I don't know. Like, it depends on where you get it, I guess. But yeah. 
I just realized I used to eat peppers and onions pizza a lot. And now I've literally forgotten about it, Kate. This is like the egg days. <laughs> and now I need, and now I need to get, no one I'm having for dinner tonight. <laughs> yeah. That sounds awesome. Our last guest just said peppers and onions. Oh, it's good. We and judged her hard for that. Dressing. So. <laughs> Wait, it's what dressing? Ranch dressing. It's like a salad, but without salad. <laughs> my daughter eats the pizza with the ranch dressing and i always look at her like she's super it's gross good. i've never tried it so I, I probably ought to try it at least once before i judge her again so. i just forgot that i used to eat that and i'm sad now because i don't think i've had it in years but <laughs> that's a bummer you the pandemic try- is such a hard slice in people's really, life there's so many yeah. things that i haven't done since before then because the, the interruption of the flow got you know locked in sorry kate next <laughs> one all right, sorry. Yeah, I was just thinking about pizza. Um, greatest TV show ever made? The Office. Oh, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. Farthest from New Jersey you've ever been? Africa. Ooh, Tanzania. Where... What'd you get to do in wow. Africa? Wow, what did you do there? I volunteered in Tanzania for a little bit after college. That's amazing. Well, what kind of stuff what? did you do? Yeah. So I was with an organization. We went to a very remote village that had a school. So I helped, um, they had like computers from like, um, 1996, like the old windows dial up. So I taught the teachers how to use Excel and some of the computers for grading. I helped weigh babies for the world health organization and I did it wrong. Um, (laughs) How do you weigh babies wrong? (laughs) So I didn't drop a baby or anything. They're all fine, but they all did like the European style day, month, year. And I messed oh, up okay. the words, so I had oh. because I'm American. Yeah. And um, wait a minute, this is weird. This baby was born in the 27th yeah. month. <laughs> <laughs> they were actually really mad about that. I had to mm. spend a lot of time fixing it, but it was a wonderful experience. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, morning person or night owl? Since my kids, I'm a morning person. Yeah. I think the children do that too. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's been something I've been noticing. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely a night owl completely, but really? I'm coming to the realization that if I don't get on board with the morning thing, it's, I actually can't function anymore at night. Like I'll, pa- I like fall asleep at like nine 45. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I've been trying, like my, yep. my body will let me sleep for like six hours. So lately I've been getting up at like four o'clock in the morning because I'm, I'm trying to get to bed earlier and earlier, but that also means waking up earlier and earlier. And I'm just hoping eventually I'll get that eight hours in there somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. Four. Oh my God. That's crazy. Four a.m. is bananas. Okay. Bananas. No, I I agree. I agree. It's, it's not cool, but no. No. All right. Last question. How many cats is too many cats? I'm a dog person. I'm not a cat person. (laughs) So I could, I could start a lot of fights and piss off a lot of people and say one, but I won't. I you think, would not be the first to say I that. I, I'm going to say 99% of people who answer this question answer it with any cats is too many oh, cats. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. So I wouldn't have any cats in my house, but I think if you have more than two, you'd probably become a, a cat per like a, you enter a, a new category. Yes. Yeah. That's probably true. Like it gets that's, judgy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a really data minded answer. And I <laughs> very official (laughs) i appreciate that all right well that was the lightning round uh brought to us today by horizon blue cross blue shield of new jersey thank you thank you shout out to them sure sure uh rachel one of the things that you know i was thinking about before the break that i wanted to ask um regardless of whether a company has their own marketing department or not how do you know it's time to bring in some outside help 
That's a great question. So a lot of our clients will hire us either because they have no marketing department or they have somebody who was like given the marketing job and they did not want it. Like you're here, you're, you're now, or I see a lot of director of sales and marketing and they want to be in sales. <laughs> um, or they have a marketing department uh, that already exists. So the ones that don't have marketing at all, I would say that if you have somebody who, who doesn't know, like a great business coach once said to me that a business needs what uh, it's like a Venn diagram, what you're good at, what you like doing and what the company needs and it should fit in the middle. So if the person who's doing your marketing really should be in sales, then let them spend the time doing what they're good at and bring in marketing, uh, somebody who can support marketing in a meaningful way with a direct return on investment. Um, if you have a marketing department in-house, I, I have a great example of a, of a prospect I'm talking to right now. This poor woman <laughs> has, you know, is a team of three and they've got five divisions. It's, it's nearly impossible for a team of three to manage five divisions in a meaningful way with different target audiences. So if your team is overworked, they can't get to everything they want to be getting to. I mean, marketing is an investment like sales. If you add more to it, it should have a better output. So bringing a, an agency like ours on is great because you don't have to ha have the headcount. Um, you don't have to pay the expenses of an employee. And when you hire an agency, you get 30 different people with 30 different pieces of expertise, web development, design, social media expertise, media buying, and not when you hire one person, maybe you don't need one full-time employee to do social media. Maybe you only need 10 hours, you know, a month of that, but having an agency, they can supplement, they can be multiple people in one. So I would say when you're not getting the meaningful return that you want, or you're not measuring your return, it's probably time to talk to somebody. How do you balance things um, across all of your different clients? Like, I know you said you had 30 people. When you said you had all those people before, I kind of thought like one person goes out to X company, another person. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you have more than 30 clients, but like, mm -hmm. how do you balance all of that? So we, so our marketing department, we'll just talk about the marketing team for a second. Um, we've got uh, three teams and each team has a director on it, a coordinator and an assistant. So those are the point people every day that have conversations with the marketing team. So it's their job to make sure that the strategy is on point, that things are moving the way they said that the client is informed, that we're spending our time in the right place behind them. So they're strategists, they're project managers, they're, um, they're essentially like the main point, but behind them are strategists, web developers, um, workflow specialists, copywriters, PPC experts, SEO experts. So they've got a whole team behind them where they can go out to them and say, hey, I need you to do this or I need you to do this. And then they bring in that expertise back to the client with the finished product. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, is there anything coming up you want to promote? Yeah. So we, so with NJBIA, we do a monthly roundtable. I mentioned this earlier. We have a lot of amazing speakers and a lot of good content for business leaders um, to keep themselves growing and, and innovating. So it's the second Tuesday of every month at noon, this coming month in June, on June 13th, actually my team's going to be speaking. I'm looking at my camera because I, I mean, my other computer to make sure I have this right, but we're going to be talking about AI, powering your business with AI. We have specific tools, strategies, and insights that you should be using to leverage AI in a meaningful way for your company. And so they have very specific tools, Lorena and Caitlin. Caitlin is our uh, director of our marketing department, the whole marketing department um, and our senior strategist. And Lorena is our expert in all things technology who we mentioned earlier. So they've got some really cool things that they're gonna be talking about. The other thing that's coming up is we have a panel discussion 
um, on June 20th that we're doing with NJ Biz that's also going to be talking about AI and how you can leverage AI in your marketing and sales process. We're doing that with Cal Thomas from Sandler Training and um, Meg from Focus USA. Very cool. Love Cal Thomas. Mm-hmm. All right. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, maybe take advantage of your service, how can they do that? They can find our information on our website. So I'm going to give you the short domain version <laughs> because sure. it's very long. So it's paradigm-md.com. So it's P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M-M-D.com. Cool. Perfect. All right. I think that's the show. Thank you, listeners, especially our subscribers. We appreciate the support. Thank you to New Jersey Manufacturers Insurance Group, the official sponsor of the show. They do home, auto, and workers' comp. So check them out if you need some updated coverage. And finally, thank you, Rachel Durkin of Paradigm Marketing and Design. It was such a pleasure having you with us today. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.